Mind Over Millennial contains explicit content that may not be suitable for all listeners. All views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the creators of Mind Over Millennial. The creators are not licensed healthcare, finance, or life professionals, but we're happy to share our Google expertise with you. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of Mind Over Millennial. My name is Lauren. My name is Tess. <laughs> and she's disinterested in anything that is going on today. <laughs> How are you, Tess? <laughs> Apparently I'm disinterested. No, I think I'm doing pretty good, honestly. Mm-hmm. I have my wine. I have mm. my fun stuff. Mm. Which is stuck. Um, yeah, no... <laughs> Y'all can interpret that however you want, because I'm not fucking explaining it. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be a fun sound bite for somebody to put together. (laughs) Yikes. It's one of those years, (laughs) y'all. Not even nights, but years. No, I mean, at this point, I'm a huge proponent of that saying that's going to come out of this year. So how was your week? Always fucking 2020, man. Say no more. (laughs) Say no more. Yeah. No, I got that. I no, it's all good. Um, let's see. We just had Christmas. Christmas was fun. I got a giant snow leopard for Christmas. A stuffed animal or an actual snow leopard? I love that you have to ask that because it's me. I Yes, that's why I'm asking <laughs> because it is you. I love that. I fucking love that. Anyway, no, it's a stuffed animal. Okay, thank God. <laughs> also, I have not named him yet. It is a him. I have not named him yet. So if anybody wants to get on the Instagram, I can post a picture of the snow leopard and we can get some name recommendations because I swear, like, I, I don't, I, I can't think of one. And normally I look at a stuffed animal. I'm like, this is your name. It's a boy. It's a boy. Lindenberg. That is terrible. (laughs) Okay, well, apparently his name's not going to be Lindenberg. (laughs) As in Johnson? No. No, that's that's a that's another one. But um, the the guy that lost his uh, his he was a pilot and his baby was taken from him. Oh, no! (laughs) Not that. Good talk. <laughs> Bye, everybody. This has been a great episode. <laughs> I have cut Lauren to the kick, and she quits now. <laughs> Fine. I guess somebody else could name your stupid stuffed. Because it's, it's stupid because it's stuffed. If it were a real snow leopard, it'd be much more interesting. You want me to go get one? No. <laughs> No, unless you're adopting one that's already at a zoo and is being like saved for some humanitarian purposes. No. I'm kidding. Jeez. That sounds like a really cool Christmas present. <laughs> a real one or the fake one? No, the fake one. The little Oh no, one. It, it was it was excellent. Yeah. An old friend uh got me that. They know that I collect stuffed animals and have that very, I don't know, weird memento thing for me. So this thing is is kind of the size of like a big pillow. Yeah, you put on your bed. Yeah, about that size. So yeah, no, I've been sleeping with him. Perfect little cuddle buddy. Oh, cute. Sammy snuggles up on my back, and then I have a snow leopard on the front, and then Pufa's like on my foot. So we have. So you're perfect. Yeah, I'm like surrounded by fluffy things. <laughs> and very warm, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I run cold, so man. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, how are you, Lauren? 
I am good. I am good. Uh, again, on the mend from La COVID. Don't recommend to anybody. Christmas did just happen, and it was a nice quarantined Christmas for my immediate family. And we had a nice little bonfire. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, it was very cute. So yeah, that was a. Uh, that was it for us. But uh, I think that that also kind of just segues right on into what we're going to talk about today, which is actually we're going to do a another offbeat relationship advice episode. Woot woot. And one of the things that kind of got me thinking about this was the different types of love. Um, and what I mean by that is that there are eight different types of love that are based off of the eight Greek words for love. And so Tess, I'm going to kind of bombard you. And I know that you aren't necessarily the most emotional human being, but I was thinking we could go back and forth on what each of these types of love are and whether or not we think we've had them, exhibited them, felt them in our lives. I am all for it. And I don't know if the personality types episode is going to air before this one or after this one, but that was the crack that Lauren was making at me (laughs) was that I am not really very in tune, I guess I'm going to say, consciously aware of uh, my feelings. And so there's more. (sighs) Yes, I'm a fucking robot. We've established (laughs) this. I make this joke at least three times a day to you. Um, I usually whenever I go out, I am texting Lauren and or sending her um, thoughts throughout the night that I kind of do a paragraph form and then send them either that night or the next morning. (laughs) Trying not to spam your phone at four in the morning since I don't sleep because I'm a robot. No, Um, she absolutely does not sleep. And I uh, honestly sometimes get a little concerned when it's like noon my time and she has not texted me because I wonder if she's alive or not. Like today. Yeah, I am. Usually I'm alive. It's fine. I only die occasionally. Um, Then I walk it off. Uh, But uh, one of the jokes that I make in these texts that I send her while I'm out with whoever, whatever, um, is about my base programming because Mm -hmm. I am a fucking robot. So let's see how the robot responds to the love episode. Okay. So uh, one of the first that we're going to talk about is called philia. Uh, And this is affectionate love. And so what that means is that it's a love that runs deep through true friendships from the Greeks, it was understood that their the love catalyst for this was actually the mind. So it's more of a thoughtful love. Um, and for the Greeks, the way that you showed this love was to exchange uh, beliefs and imperfections with close friends. So being very thoughtful, being thought provoking, almost a uh, philosophical type of love. So Tess, do you feel like you've ever exhibited this or, or, uh, kind of had this shown to you definitely actually there's someone that comes to mind in particular um haven't had contact with this person in years but it's just the example that pops in my head um the example that pops in my head is um i had a friend i was about 16 years old um he was a little bit older but not like enough to make it creepy and it was never romantic uh we would stay up until three o'clock in the morning, sitting at my mother's breakfast table, um, philosophizing over everything and just completely analyzing the world down to the minutia. Um, he was the person that my mom first told the pie pans uh, analogy to. And it was in oh. one of those 3 a.m. conversations that that metaphor and analogy came out of like, us just talking about relationships and talking about um, how we approach them and how we approach new people and all this different kind of stuff. And the pie pants conversation came out of that. So that would be, and that friendship will forever be a treasured one for me. Like I said, lost contact with that person, but like, that was amazing for me. What about you, Lauren? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that story, honestly. Um, But I feel like almost every single person that, I get close to, I like to solve world problems with. Mm -hmm. So like, these are the people that I genuinely open up and have those conversations with. And it is like a, 
it's a, I'm trusting you with the way that my mind works and I want to hear how your mind works. And even if we're like, we're obviously not going to solve the world problems, but I want to, I just want to listen. Yeah. So and I, I mean, feel, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't no, mean, go ahead. I got really excited. Uh, you have to have a really large amount of respect for that person which to me is a big form of love is like, do I respect you? Because if I'm going to respect you and your ideas and your thoughts about these large topics, that's, that's a big deal. No, entirely. Yeah. And that's, that's why it is huge to me too, is that, you know, I don't need to be right. Like there are very few things that like, I feel like I need to be right about. Um, But when I'm having these conversations and that affectionate love, that philia that I do have for, almost like, you know, like the, the 10 people, like the, the people that I can count on both hands that are important to me. Like those are the people that I do want to solve the world problems with, whether it's around a bonfire and, you know, around a table at 3am or, or just having those conversations. Like it, it definitely, it exists and it's, and it's real and it, and it matters. It's, it's uh, something that even just because like, I'm a feeler as mm-hmm. we get into the MBTI episode, when people listen to that, um, it, it still is something that is logically like something that I deeply fall, not like fall in love with people for, but I do deeply love people for. Yeah. Does that makes sense. Absolutely. 100%. Cool. Okay. You want me to read the next one or you want to read the next one? You can read the next one. Okay. I'll read the next one. Our, our type two love, our next one is called pragma. Mm-hmm. And pragma is an enduring love, a mature love that develops over time. And the love catalyst of this one is your self-conscious. And the way you show this love is to put effort into long-term and reciprocate, reciprocative. Mm-hmm. That is a word I have never formed on my tongue and it felt <laughs> funny. Reciprocative relationships. <laughs> what? You know, when you've never tasted a word before and then you taste it and you're like, mm, I don't think I like that flavor. I know how when I type a word that I've always typed before that it doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. That's what I can relate to this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. pragma. <laughs> a unique bonded love that matures over many years. Have you experienced this, Lauren? I feel like, well, yes. So with with a few relationships, but like, especially, um, my marriage, I feel like this is the strongest point of pragma that I can relate to where it's not even, um, because it's supposed to be from your subconscious. It's not even supposed to be intentional. Um, and I feel like in, in any relationship, there has to be an intention behind it. But when you grow with somebody for so many years, um, and even though we're, you know, we're still kids realistically, but mm-hmm. when you grow with somebody for so many years and you make that active choice to grow with them, or even like people that you have had in your life for so many years, like a bunch of my friends realistically are from high school. These are people that truly are like your subconscious friends or people that you relate to and rely on. Um, that just exist in your life, even if they're not the people that you immediately are talking to every single day or whatever. Like it's not that it's, it's not something where you feel like you have to be latched onto them. It's Mm -hmm. just something where it's very comfortable. And I do think that it is a long-term thing. And again, this also relates to like the MBTI thing where it's, it is a personality type of mine where I've never really had many short term relationships, Mm -hmm. but the way that you would show this love into putting an effort into having that long-term relationship, regardless of if it's romantic or platonic. Yeah. I mean, there are people that I genuinely do have the effort to do that with. And like, you're one of those people. Where even though when we worked together, we weren't, you know, we weren't attached at the hip. And even when you were being very kind and you were reaching out to me when I was in Texas, I felt like we were going to have a relationship, but it wasn't at that time. Right. And now we've reached the point where we're best friends and business partners. Yeah. And so I would consider our relationship also to be an act of pragma personally. 
I would agree with that. I would agree with that 100%. And um, the example that comes to my mind of my strongest pragma relationship caveat being that I'm excluding family right now, um, like mom, dad kind of thing. These are conscious adult decision kind of relationships. Um, My strongest one of that would be a friend of mine that I've had for eight years that when I I first met them, um, we were important to each other because of what we were going through at that time of our lives. But I'd never looked at them and consciously said, you're going to be a partner for life. It took me years to get to that point. And the reason I'm stating that as my strongest pragma is um, this says it's subconscious. Right. And it's long-term and it's also um, a mutual effort. Right. And that's my longest running mutual effort, subconscious attachment kind of relationship. And now I wouldn't, like, I can't even imagine that person not being in my life. It's not a romantic thing at all. Um, And it's not even a constant thing, but it's like, if I ever needed something or they ever needed something, there's just this understanding. That you're there. Right. Yeah. No. And I feel like that exists for almost all (laughs) all of my adult relationships because I'm a shitty human being and I don't talk to all of my friends at a proper amount of time. You want to talk about that? Oh my God. I'm way worse at that. I will ghost you and not even realize that I ghosted you and it pisses me off. Same. Same. But again, that's why I believe in the whole idea of, of pragma and we're all adults. And you know, if, if you ever, you, test but anybody needs any but it needs anything from me yeah like, yeah no i get that in like with you and me if one of us goes to the other one's like hey you good and then if yeah. the other one says yeah it's like all right just let me know when you need something like yeah. all right we good there's not this need for constant contact no constant contact i find draining exactly i'm like no yeah no exactly it's it's more or less are you alive and yeah i'm alive okay good cool long as you're alive we're good it's two to three days of us not hearing from one another. And then it's like, hey, are we still recording this week or did you die? Like, Because <laughs> with me, it's an unfortunate daily possibility. <laughs> also, also me, depending on my health issues at the day. Okay, that's True. fine. So anyway, <laughs> next one, what is number three? The next one is uh, storage, uh, which is the familiar love so this is a love that actually flows between parents and children or childhood friends uh that love catalyst is memories and the ways to show this love is to show gratitude toward the people that are close to you i personally feel this a lot because again like a lot of the friends that i have are still people that i have known since i was 12 years old like, I have held on with, like, a fucking chokehold to all of those humans. <laughs> and there's, like, four of them. But they are all, like, my humans, and I don't let them go. <laughs> so, Tess, <laughs> other than, like, you know, your your mom, which obviously you're very close to, and same with my mom, but, like, is there anybody else in your life that this also holds true for? No. Really? Not even, like, your godbrother? Not the way that this is described. Okay. Um, it says how you so- show storage is to sacrifice time, self, or personal pleasures, quickly forgive harmful actions, share memorable and impactful moments. Um, and it talks about a love built upon acceptance and deep emotional connection. And- oh, and you're a robot. Meet more. All right. Never mind. Well, he, like, if we talk about my godbrother, who, a little bit of backstory for the beautiful human unicorns out there, Um, we were six weeks apart in age, and our moms basically raised us together. They lived with us for an extended period of time. Um, When they weren't living with us, uh, I spent two or three days every week at his house, and he spent two or three days every week at my house, Mm -hmm. and it was almost an, a sibling relationship kind of thing. And he and I still kind of go back and forth as siblings. So there's more of like what I would call a war bond where it's like, he's my, my person I'm going into battle with. Interesting. But there's not a like, Oh my God, I love you. Blah, blah, blah. Like I would call him in a time of need, but I don't think I've talked to him twice in the last three years. 
as far as like actually talking. We've seen each other. We've texted back and forth, that kind of thing. And so it's like literally if I need a person to go into war with, I'm calling him and he will be there. Well, but wouldn't you, so like, I'm going to put this in the very blunt terms of trauma bonding. Wouldn't trauma bonding be the same as sharing memorable and impactful moments? Maybe. Okay. Maybe the robot is having trouble with this one. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. I also have a terrible memory due to so many concussions. And so there are so many large chunks of my childhood that are just not there. It's valid. Um, Because he will, he will tell me stories and I'll be like, I was there. He's like, yeah, here's what you did. I'm like, okay, I believe you. I don't remember it. No, I fully get that. There are times where I have conversation with people that I grew up with and I just have to be like reminded, like, no, we were there together. Like we did this together. And I'm like, we did like, that is in a black box of my mind that I'm not opening. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I, I don't, I don't remember so many large chunks of things. And so maybe, I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm, maybe I'm agreeing and I don't even fucking know it. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, it's fine. It's totally fine. All right. What's number four? Number four is Eros, the romantic love, a personal infatuation and physical pleasure. Mm. The love catalyst is the body. Mm -hmm. Um, And ways to show this love is to engage in physical touch, such as hugging or kissing. Mm -hmm. Uh, a primal love that comes as a natural instinct for most people it's passionate and usually displayed through physical affection lauren (laughs) um yeah i i mean i'm i'm a human i will admit to being a human being um there are a couple people that specifically come to mind when it comes to this type of love. Um, one of which was that high school sweetheart. Um, and also that INTJ, um, because that was the only way that any affection was ever shown. (laughs) Um, I apologize for us. I'm an INTJ. I don't know if the personality (laughs) episode came out, but that's what she's talking about. There's either a lot of teasing in this episode or a lot of puzzle pieces are being put together and we don't know Mm -hmm. what's happening yet because we're recording these at the same time. So you guys are lucky or not lucky, depending on what comes out tomorrow and how lazy Lauren's going to be. But the other one too is that um, with even Ian, there was that immediate weird like physical just not even just attraction, but just comfortability Mm -hmm. or it's like comfort is the right word. I don't know. There's been a, there's been a decent amount of whiskey and just getting over being sick, but just that physical need and desire for wanting to admire somebody and wanting them to admire me. Um, I definitely have felt with Ian. What about you? This was another one that's hard for me. Robot. Um, I have had it. It's been rare. Yeah. No, I get. I get that it's rare. Like uh, the phys- the physical physical attraction to someone. Uh, it's very rare, and yeah. it's something that you and I have joked about a little bit. Um, at one point, we compared all of our uh, ex boyfriends. Uh, <laughs> sending pictures back and forth to kind of figure out like do you have a type is there an identifiable type through all of these it's never been a type no either of us i don't think there's ever been a type no it was yeah that was that was quite obvious because all shapes and sizes and colors and ethnicities and yeah yeah um so that was that was really interesting so no i don't know it's always been definitely a different driver uh, right. as far as attraction is concerned, I have had physical attraction and as an INTJ in a computer, again, I don't know which order these episodes are airing in. Um, when I do have it and it's not explained by another piece of the puzzle to attraction, it drives me bonkers and I hate it. No, I, I, I can understand that. If I am physically attracted to someone and cannot figure out why by a defining factor in their personality or the rest of how they are as a human and not just, fuck, I think you're hot, it annoys the hell out of me. (laughs) Like, I'm, I'm like, twitching over here and shaking my hand and, like, (laughs) I don't like it. 
She's about to punch the table because she's I mad. am. I am. And this is a glass table, so I should not punch it. Should we move I mean, on to the next one? That make yes. Sense? Okay. The, the next one is ludus, which is playful love. Mm-hmm. Playful love is the flirting and the beginning stages of intimate love. The love catalyst is emotion. And the ways to show this love are to express flirtatious interest in who you admire. It's a childlike and flirtatious love commonly found in the beginning stages of a relationship, sometimes known as the honeymoon stage. Teasing, playful motives, and laughter. Lauren. So I don't even know if I fully agree with like the whole idea of flirtatious love because me personally, like as who I am as a person, like if I flirt with you, that means nothing. Or if you think I'm flirting with you, that means nothing. Because my flirting with you is like me telling my best friends, which actually happened. And like Ian's mom, if you listen to this, I apologize. But like three weeks into Ian and I dating, I literally told my best friends that I was going to marry him Mm -hmm. because I was in it. Because that's who I am when I care about somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not even a flirty thing. Like, I'm not capable of flirting with somebody that I like. My behaviors come off as flirty because I understand how people want to have, like, what they're doing reciprocated to them. But not because of how I feel. And then I come off as really strong or very committed based off of who... I'm associating with. So I don't know if I can actually say that like I've ever had ludus in the way that this is being prescribed other than like when I was, you know, a young kid and I had people that were like infatuated with me where I would just be like, oh, haha, that's cute type thing. Like in Facebook Messenger when I'm 14, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but not a, I've never had anybody that I've had that with. What about you? Um, yes and no. Okay. For me, if I actually like somebody, I shut down. <laughs> so there's definitely not Ludus. Um, but if a relationship comes out of the weird, awkward that I am, yeah. um, then later, I love that, and I need it to continue. Yeah, no, I, get, I get that. I get that entirely. So I can either flirt with a stranger that I have absolutely no attraction to, which my flirting is more just like being really congenial. Yeah. And it's not like the way you think of flirting. Yeah. Um, but if there's actually a comfortability with the person that I like, then I can start to flirt. But at first, I'm just – no, like all the systems fail. <laughs> Just starfish. Pretty much. Like, what? <laughs> I like you and I don't like that I like you. Please make this stop. <laughs> yeah. I got that. I think that's cute. My awkward and frustrating this is cute. Great. Okay. You're fine. Lauren, what's the next one? Uh, well, the next one is mania. Which is your obsessive love. So this is obsessiveness or madness over a love partner. The love catalyst here is actually survival. (laughs) And it's not even a how to cultivate this this love. It's more of a how to avoid it. (laughs) Because this is not a healthy love, uh, as you can tell by the fact that it's obsessive. Um, but you need to be able to focus more on yourself versus this or this other person. And this is the type of love that we consider to be that very immature, unwanted jealousy or possessiveness. And it's even just like more of a codependent type love style. Um, and I do have to admit that as an immature person 
Um, which I feel like most people that are immature have gone through this this phase, but um, there are specifically two people, really one in particular, um, that I can absolutely say that I had this particular mania about. And again, it, it wasn't even... As an adult, I can say that it wasn't about the partner in particular. It wasn't that I couldn't have existed without the partner. It was more about that codependency and that need mm-hmm. to be needed. And the fact that my that need- one That one personally hit home right there, that sentence, need to be needed. <laughs> that one was like, javelin, whomp. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. You're, yeah. you're very welcome. I um, like you right now. But- <laughs> But it was it was that need to be needed um, to the point that I needed to prove that I was worthy of love, that I was willing to try and fight for it from someone that wasn't capable of giving it to me. And was it your INTJ? It was my INTJ. I'm so sorry on behalf of all of us again. It's, it is what it is. But... It and and I mean there were other things there too and I obviously like I looking back on that relationship too like I was not healthy in that relationship either like it was not him completely but it was also the fact that I refused to not quit in situations where I should have just cut my own losses but I needed to be right and it ended up in in a lot of weird ways but like this was really just it was obsessiveness right. And sometimes you need to know when to walk away. Exactly. Exactly. But this was truly like in, in the idea of what is just like mania, this, that, that was it for me, for you, anything? Yeah. Uh, definitely have, um, an example for this one. It happened pretty early in my life. I would say first love, first crush kind of thing. Um, no relationship came out of that experience, but I definitely um, felt like I wasn't getting other kinds of love in other places. And I'm decently young when this is happening, like 12 to 15 years old, mm. and was feeling like a lot of the love pieces that a child of that age expects were missing. And so an obsession came out of that and unfortunately, that obsession was fostered because um, the person I was obsessed with uh, enjoyed that level of attention. Mm. So no relationship came out of it, no anything like that, but it was definitely unhealthy um, on both sides. And it was, yeah, not good. Definitely, I don't believe I've repeated it. So I hope to God that I've learned from that. Um, but it was definitely something that like, I stand by what this is saying of like how to avoid this because it's not something that's healthy for anyone involved. Yeah. No, it, it, and it's really not like, I just, I don't want to totally gloss over like this, this particular one. Like I know we're, we're going kind of fast, but I, I think that the idea of mania and knowing what mania is like it's it's wonderful when you have those certain like i don't even know what to put it at because like the idea of having that wonderful high mm-hmm. and and that that feeling of this really like it it really is like it's a bipolar relationship where you just mm-hmm. get this chemical high when things are great or you mm-hmm. feel on top of the world because you're invincible because this person cares about you. And then there's just so many drops. And like, this is where those really unhealthy, like even to the point where they're in the newspapers, like unhealthy relationships exist because it is that survival instinct. And like the fact that it says survival instinct is not a lie. (laughs) And you're in that, that fight or flight and having those survival kind of responses. So you get those survival adrenaline you know, dopamine burst to the brain, but at the same time, that's not the kind of emotional stability that should come out of any kind of romantic relationship. No, especially not a healthy one. Yeah. When you're saying survival instinct, and then you have people that literally end up in the newspaper because someone's been stabbed. 
like mm-hmm. that shit is real like i'm i'm yes. laughing because i'm uncomfortable but that shit is real oh yeah and i know for a fact that like at my my relationship that was like this would have ended up in 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 a newspaper at some point because it's just it's it's not healthy and you do have to focus on yourself more than that one other person no matter yeah, how going, much you care about them but you going, have going to, back to that like what do you have to offer in your pipe hand kind of thing exactly exactly what do yeah. you have to offer in your pipe hand and what do they have to offer in their pipe hand to you yep. 100% okay our type 7 is philat philatua philatua i don't really know how to say it self love hmm. i don't i don't quite know how to say that but it is self-love and it is having a healthy self-compassion or love towards oneself. The love catalyst is the soul. And ways to show this love are to respect, appreciate, and accept yourself. It's a healthy form of love where you recognize your own self-worth and don't ignore your personal needs. Lauren. <laughs> um How's this one going in your life? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think that this is where we're probably going to take our longest rant just because I'm going to talk for a little bit. Um, All right. Rant at me. I'll take a drink. Chills. Don't <laughs> the Chills. I think for me personally... I am closer to an idea of self-love than I ever have been in my life. Okay. And I do owe that to Ian. That's um, really good. Yeah. I, I owe that to Ian because when I see myself through the way that he says he sees me, which again, like if you guys have heard the MBTI uh, episode before this uh, he has a personality type where he says exactly what he means and, and I trust him to say exactly what he means um, there are parts of myself that I've learned through him that are not great there are parts of myself that I've learned to appreciate more through him that are great and then it's just being being a woman in general and like being a white woman mm-hmm. in general there are certain expectations that you have for yourself like especially growing up in the 2000s where the entire idea was to be the size of a fucking stick figure Mm -hmm. or anything more than that as a white woman it's not acceptable and even still there's there's just and that's just like the beauty standards in general you're just you're never good enough no matter who you are no matter what you look like no matter what your ethnicity is you're you're just never good enough and now it's even extended onto men which is a damn shame and instead of actually acknowledging that body shaming in general is shitty it's just become no men just also aren't good enough like it's not it's not that women are good enough it's that men also are not good enough which is fucking bullshit to me as a feminist but you know whatever um but that self-love and that self-care has come to mind that I have to remind myself that when I don't feel like I'm enough and I don't like there's a lot of times where I don't feel like I'm enough. Yeah. I have to remind myself that if I don't feel like I'm enough, it's because I feel like I'm not doing enough. And if I'm not doing enough, what am I not doing enough of? Because I'm going to work. I'm taking care of my dogs. I love my husband, but what am I not doing for me? Right. Because that emptiness doesn't come from the fact that I'm not doing enough for anybody else. It comes from the fact that I know I'm not doing enough for me. Right. And instead of acknowledging that I deserve to be taken care of as a person without it being selfish, I think of taking care of myself as selfish. And that's just not true. Yeah. So... I'm lucky enough to have the partner that I have that has taught me that taking care of myself is not being selfish. 
and that doing the things that I like to do, like, you know, lifting really heavy, like my whole entire body composition has changed since I met Ian because I've done things like last year in the gym. Like I talk about this all the time, but like my, I saw something on my Facebook, like memories where, uh, I maxed out at 500 pounds a year ago (laughs) on the leg press. And like, my body composition when I met you and I was less than a size two because I wasn't eating, eating, eating. <laughs> I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't eating. And I was working a job where I would walk the equivalent of six to seven miles a day. Yeah. Like, I, I was absolutely tiny and now I'm, I'm not that size, but it's not that I'm necessarily fat, but like even quarantine, like I've gained more weight. That's, that's not muscle that I'm not proud of, but you know, there's never been a question of that. Ian doesn't find me attractive or judges me or says like, you know, well, unless you feel the need to do X, Y, Z, or you want to be X, Y, Z shape, then this is the, this is the solution to do that. But you know, I love you and I think you're attractive regardless, but it's a me thing. Yeah. You know, like, no, and that's, um... yeah. Big props to Ian for that because I know that guys can be very visual and so that can be a big stressor. I'm sure that he's he's still visual. He just isn't an absolute shithead. (laughs) You understand what I mean. (laughs) No, I know. And and it is. It is huge props to him because uh, there's a there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure. And like, I, I also came from a household where it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be insulting, but anytime that like, as a kid, I would grow and not grow, but like gain an extra 10 or 15 pounds, regardless of what I was doing, or even if I was active in sports, like it was a, Hey, why don't you go to the gym or you need to cut down on calories because yeah. You're, you're looking X way or even, even now, like I, I love my dad to death, but I, I go to the gym. Like I've got bigger arms than a lot of girls because I'm not interested in necessarily looking quote unquote feminine. Like that's not the look that I'm going for because I'm trying to be strong. I'm trying to gain muscle. Right. And you know, there's, there are things that come from my father where it's like, well, you should, you know, why don't, why don't you, you need to stop, you need to stop lifting weights just because your husband lifts weights, like stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, not your lane, <laughs> not <No>. your lane. <laughs> yeah. Not your lane and like personal choices and what effect yeah. does that have on anybody else? Like that's something you do for you and that's wonderful and excellent. It's a self-love thing. So yeah, that's my soapbox. Tess, what about you? Um, this one's tricky for me. Mm-hmm. Because objectively, I know what I am worth. Yeah. I lack the respect to enforce what I'm worth. Ah. The self-respect. Yeah. So like, I know, I know what I am. Mm -hmm. And I could get cocky in the explanation of what I know that I am. But I don't have the self-respect to enforce that. And so I constantly feel, and for a thinker, that's a rare word, feel downtrodden Mm -hmm. in especially romantic relationships because I don't enforce. Right. And then one day I wake up and I'm like, hey, I'm worth more than this. Why didn't you realize it? And they're like, huh? (laughs) So that is that the light switch? Yeah, if if this is airing after the MBTI uh, episode, that's that INTJ light switch of like, I'm going to logically say that I'm worth something more, more than this, or you're not treating me the way that I believe that I should be treated, and so you you walk away. Yep. And it's yeah, it's it's a tough one because it would be much healthier for me and for those that I am in relationships with to have the self respect to stand by those standards that I believe I should be held to from the beginning because then people wouldn't feel quite so hoodwinked, I think, at the end when I have that 180 of like, I was expecting you to analyze me the same way I I analyzed me and treat me for what I believe that I am worth, even though I am not enforcing you in doing that, I'm expecting you to give me that respect. And that's, that's toxicity right there. 
So I understand. But like I said, it's a little bit of a dichotomy because I know, but I don't act like it. I think that it's just a, you say it's toxicity and maybe it's a, I don't know, but like, I feel like genuine, just decent, like just human decency isn't like expecting human decency isn't toxic, you know? Like it just No, it's not. But also if you are somebody that gives and that has that like memorization style of love. Yeah. It's real easy to take for granted. And no, then the day that I wake up and decide that I don't want to be taken for granted anymore, it's too late. Right. No, and like I I I feel like that's a huge and and wonderful segue into the last one, mm-hmm. the the last love style, which is you know agape, which is everybody talks about from the biblical sense and and that Greek sense, which is that selfless love, right? Like that's your selfless love, your agape is is the, an empathic attitude of love for everyone and anyone. This is the catalyst that is your spirit. Um, and, and the ways that you're supposed to show this love is expressing that unconditional love regardless of the situation. And it's the highest love, the, the, the highest level of love, like the, the most impressive level of love that mm-hmm. any human can possibly offer. Like even in, in, in like, I'm, I'm Christian, you're Christian, but like from, from the Christian background, when, when agape is used, this is the level of love that God and Jesus gave to the rest of the world. This, this is what agape is. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about agape, like to me, what, what that particular situation, like when you're saying that it's toxic is that you're still trying to spread love in any circumstance, including the destructive ones. But the fact that you are willing to, to show that type of love for somebody and they can't receive it properly, to me, doesn't mean that it's toxic of you. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, the reason I'm saying it's what I do in that situation is toxic is I allow people to walk on me or to treat me as less than I am worth. And then one day I wake up and change the and change it. No, I get that. I get that entirely. I mean, I, especially in the fact of like romantic relationships, like I yeah. understand where that could be seen as like quote unquote toxic, but even still to me, it's more of a, if you're willing to, and, and I mean, like I'm, I'm putting this on you because, because I'm me and I'm not sure that you actually would admit to actually having agape or feeling agape for anybody. There is one person. Oh. There oh. is one person for whom I have unconditional agape love. It's my baby mm-hmm. sister. My god sister, my baby sister. Oh, your god sister. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, who the fuck? Like you're an only child. No, no, no. This is this is my god sister. Um, she we talked about my god brother earlier, and mm-hmm. um, I would do anything for that girl. Okay, and that is my one true agape. Again, we're excluding like parents in this kind of thing because I feel like that's completely different category altogether. But if we're just talking about people, she's the one person where there would be no questions asked. There is a true emotional connection that I believe to be unbreakable. And like, she could call me and be like, I need you to get me to Prague tomorrow. And I'd be like, okay, got it. No, I got that. So that's, that's my one person. And it's always been my one person. Okay. What about you? Um, I feel like as a part of my character, like the really shitty and like self-centered thing of me is that like any person, especially like when I was very immature in love, I like to say that I gave agape to, Mm -hmm. like it was always a, I'm going to love you through everything rather Mm -hmm. than or I'm going to love you despite, or I'm going to love you through versus I'm going to just love you because, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel like all of those terms mean a, a lot. Um, 
so like loving somebody through the fact that they are um deciding that they're not going to commit to you that they're not going to care for you that they're not going to show you compassion or care and this is the fact that like it's it's you think you're loving somebody through any of these circumstances including <laughs> destructive situations and it's accepting love that isn't um I know that the idea behind agape, like logically, I understand that the idea behind agape is truly like an altruistic. It's more of a, I devoted myself to a charity because, or I feel that I need to support people because like, this is a because type of love, Mm -hmm. but as an immature human, it was a, it's, it, it was a despite or through. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I think honestly, and I think we're taking two sides of this definition mm-hmm. whenever we give our answers, because to me, the piece that sticks out is the unconditional. You're oh, talking about okay. like the giving at all times kind of, it, I don't know. It strikes a little different in my mind because there are very, like I said, there's only one person that I will love unconditionally no matter what. No, I mean, I, I genuinely, when I love people, I love them unconditionally. Oh, I don't. Oh, I know. I, I always, and I always have, um, and I still do. That's, and I don't that's, mean that like my love is wishy-washy. No, I don't mean it's just it, that you don't the have- conditional sense, but there are other things that I value higher than any person or love for that person. No. That, and that makes sense. Like, again, like that's a <laughs> hankering back to MBTI. That's a thinker thing. Yeah, it is. And I'm that thinker judger completely reserved from everything robot. And it's like, if there are pieces of the code and there are pieces of that base programming that will just always be held in a higher regard than a person and their emotional attachment. No, I think that I, I get what you're saying. It's not to say nope to what you're saying. but No, I, yeah, I didn't the, think you were disagreeing with me. The, the feeler part to me is that I will genuinely and truly wholly love every person that comes into contact with me until they give me a reason to or until I decide that you're not going to be in my life longer than X amount of hours. And, and so, that's what I'm talking about as far as like things held in higher regard. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, but I guess for me, it was always that if, if the word or the phrase, I love you came out of my mouth to anybody, it didn't, didn't even need to be a romantic partner, but a friend, or even, you know, I tell you that I love you all the time. I would do things that are, I mean, I, I wouldn't, well, I mean, not putting that on a podcast, but no, I, would, I, I understand. I would, I would do questionable things. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, I, I understand that. And I understand that level of love. It's just to me, that's not agape. Because I would do questionable things for a lot of people that I know and a lot of people that I love. But there is one person that I say I would doesn't matter. And unconditional doesn't matter what they do in their life. Yeah, that's strange to me because that the 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 way that you're saying unconditional is exactly what I'm saying. Oh, because because I understand the depth of what you're. I truly understand the depth of what right. you're saying when you say when you say it's unconditional. I agree, mm-hmm. but to me, it's also it's unconditional, including the fact that there are destructive situations. And I don't think that that's something that you can completely wrap your head around. Let me see if I can say it differently. Yeah. Because I know what I mean and I know the gravity when I say it. Because to me, I understand the difference in Mm -hmm. my own head. Mm -hmm. Again, excluding parents. Um, There's only one person in my life that I would never question whether or not they would be in my life for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. everybody else is a temporary piece on the playing board. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. Mm-hmm. There's one permanent fixture. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. And again, we, we talked about earlier, you have all these long-term permanent friendships. I don't. 
No, and I go. I, I go have with- ten year. I have twelve year. I have fifteen year friendships, but I don't consider them per- permanent. Permanent. Yeah. yeah. No, I I get what you're saying. Um, but even when I'm saying about that agape, like when I'm thinking of it, um, that's not true. I do have it for all of the people that are in my life. I I guess that it's not. Again, it's it's this weird, like almost biblical sense of Jesus, and like again, like this is gonna get weirdly religious, but like Jesus loved everybody. Yeah, like down and in like Tess is laughing because it is like it's it's almost laughable. That's, that's not why I'm laughing. I think I just figured out why I can't relate to what you're saying. Oh, okay. What is it? I didn't get the mom gene. No. No. I don't. I don't have that maternal instinct. And so what I am saying is I have a maternal instinct for one person. Well, I'm not even sure that I necessarily have that, the, 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 I, the maternal, but like the, the, the love I get. Yeah. That, I, I that get kind that. of love. Cause I mean, I relate agape and maternal or even just to be parental the same. to be real similar. And I don't have that gene. Well, that's why you also were having an issue with, I guess that, uh, what is it? The familial love that we talked about earlier? Oh, yeah. It's just like I, I have a disconnect right there. And so it- The storage I, love. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe that's why I'm saying like it only translates to one person. It's not an overall, whereas maybe people that have more of that. And I'm not saying you have a ton of that, mm-hmm. but you have more than me. No, and I fully, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to like I, I I'm over here analyzing. I'm not trying to disagree with you. I'm not trying to debate you. I'm just saying like I truly want to no, you're, understand. You're trying why. to relate. You're trying yeah. to understand. No, I, the I computer's fully, trying to relate to you. <laughs> I fully get it. I fully understand. Um, I think that it's just one of those things. Like that's it's one of those feelings where you you are able to do it, and you're this is going to sound really crappy, but you're able to manufacture it so that other people feel it. Yeah. But regardless of whether or not you are emotionally giving, like, you know how we talked, you, you talk about those hugs. Mm-hmm. I think that agape is one of those feelings where you throw that into somebody else's bank and it's not a hug. No, I, I get what you're saying. I totally do. But, but I think that that's what agape is. And I have always been very poor at giving my agape coins to anybody that passes by me obviously i'm worse (laughs) so it's fine yeah you feel all the judgment coming right now (laughs) but it's uh but yeah like that's that's the type of feeling and in and it's something that it's it's wonderful to do and it's something that I find joy in doing for other people, but it's definitely something that can take a toll when those actual interpersonal relationships are not being fulfilling in the way that I need them to be when I'm giving the the love and compassion that I want to have for myself out to strangers. Yeah. I'm not getting that intrinsic love that I require right back. No. And I mean, that's another huge thing about, you know, you're talking about agape. That's the one where you, you expect nothing back. They don't have to love you back. They don't have to. Right. Again, that's another piece of what I was talking about with um, the unconditional factor where you're not expecting anything back. You're not expecting that person to show you anything back. And I think I do that a little bit with the hugs that I try to give to people where like you're adding to their bank. Um, Mm. I'm not relating that to agape because of the unconditional word in the definition because it's not unconditional and it's not long lasting. It's more like I'm going to add to your need in this moment. And I find it interesting because like I had no idea how much people needed hugs. No, people definitely need hugs. And I guess like, the what what I was meaning by like agape is that like people always find me to fill like an emotional hole that they need to have filled, mm-hmm. which I'm always happy to do. Like there's nothing that I would ever try to take away from somebody that's needing that emotional fulfillment. And that's what I consider to be that agape. But when it comes to the other types of love, like even just having that, that 
philatua, whatever it is, that Mm self-love that we talked about earlier, those are the other parts of you that you're supposed to be able to fill or even like that, that storage love. Like those are other things that other people should be able to have with you that you can also fill. And then to me, it's like having that hug bank where you have these other types of love that can fill up this bank so that you can give out that agape love. I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, I do. And yeah. honestly, the the last piece of this article, which I think would be a really interesting screenshot to post um, on the Instagram, mm-hmm. is uh, the different types of love in different situations. So yeah. um, like friendship, um, uh, you and I could be built up of philea, which mm-hmm. is that deep conversation connection. It can be built up of storage where you have fond memories with a friend and over time that grows and you create that bond. And also you can have that self-love, that philatua. I cannot say that <laughs> word. It doesn't taste right. Oh my God. Anyway, um, that create friendships that build you up. Like having somebody else encourage you to love yourself. That's, right. that's a big one. That's a big yeah. one. And if you need that external validation to just create the groundwork kind of thing, I'm not saying you shouldn't get yourself love from other people, but like right. just having a friend be like, yeah, you are worth that much. You know, it's, it's a great, it's a great building. Right. Next one is your significant other. And that can be built off of pragma, which is that enduring love. You're working together. You are in this together and you know, that person is going to be pulling by your side or lifting you up when you need it. Yep. Um, and of course, Eros, you want that romantic love. You know, I would hope you're romantically you physically attracted to your significant other partner, unless, you know, you want to be asexual relationship. I don't know, but like, can't relate, I would hope. but you do. You. I, yeah, I, I can't relate either. I would like to be. I would like to be physically attracted to my partner. I don't know. That's at least at anyway. some points, you know. Yeah, at least when your hormones are alcohol. I don't know. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> that's, that's whenever your hormones. That. Whenever your hormones are working properly, yes, I would hope that you are romantic. We're not gonna get into that conversation. <laughs> And then also in significant other, that ludus, that playful love, you know, keeping, mm-hmm. keep it exciting, keep it flirtatious. This is what I said in the beginning, I shut down. And if it ever gets past that point, then yeah. You still want to be able to play and have fun. A hundred percent. However you choose to flirt because people flirt differently. Oh yeah. I will be hella mean to somebody and be flirting with them. And they're like, ow, what the hell? <laughs> Like, oh, that was meant to be funny. Haha, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Actually, me also. <laughs> and then the last one is family, mm-hmm. which is built up of storage, that familiar love, unconditional love and forgiveness. Agape, mm-hmm. of course, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. Family, agape, parental, selfless. Ch- children, very selfless, extremely selfless. I mean, literally that that person is depending on you and you have to sacrifice yourself to keep them alive. Like, wow. Um yeah, Again, scary. Didn't, didn't get that gene. So to me, that's mind boggling. Anyway, and then the last one is the philea and the affectionate love where um, you stay open and you trust those close to you, which yep. I will put the caveat in there that family can be chosen family or they can be blood family. Yeah. Because I have way more chosen family than I do blood family. And I don't consider them any less important. And in a lot of ways, I consider them to be more important. No, Um, absolutely. That saying, um, blood is uh, thicker than water. And I think it's like the chosen, the chosen blood is thicker than the water of the womb. Yes. And it actually means that like the people that you choose unconditionally, those are the people that are the most important and those are the true family. So- you know, for all those with you or all of those of you with fucked up family relationships, there's hope. <laughs> Even if you don't have fucked up family relationships, but you still oh, yeah. find people that you love and care about because like, I mean, I love my mom. I love my brother. I love my dad. But like, I definitely have people like my sister, like I call her literally my sister. We are not blood related at all, but she is my sister. Yeah. And, and I, I, I have that too. Talking about my god brother, my god sister, like you know, see them at family reunions now because we're grown up and moved out and scattered to the winds. But like, that's my family. Yep. Those are the people. Well, there's our eight types of love and our dysfunctional ways of expressing them. And your offbeat relationship advice is uh, please do you and don't end up in a newspaper. No. (laughs) Yeah. Let's not have mania (laughs) over here. Let's, Let's not do that. 
Um, anyway, hope you guys are having a great one, you beautiful human unicorns. Uh, look us up on Instagram at Mind Over Millennial Podcast or send us an email at mindovermillennialpodcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. We need requests. We need comments. We need feedback. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're trying to get our numbers up over here so we can have more beautiful human unicorns because that would be awesome. And, and so that we can have merch in 2021 because like we want to give you guys stickers and we want to give you guys t-shirts and we want to do really cool shit. And there's a lot of things on our minds, but like, we yeah, we have, we have merch designs y'all. Like we actually have merch designs. So if there's, we need to generate some interest because these designs are really cool and we need to get them out there. So, so tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog. I don't know. Maybe a dog can listen to a project. I mean, I know for a fact that you motherfuckers are out there because you send me messages, but I need, I need you to tell other people that you, that you know, that we know that you know that we're great. That's what I, I know. You know, we know, you know, we know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. We will see you on the next one. Bye guys. Mind over millennial music by Zach era and Gabriel Ramos. We are funded mainly by ourselves, but we're not too proud to ask for support. Feel free to drop us a line to learn how you can keep learning from our mistakes and Google sources. Of course. Thank you.